0: my roommate and I at the time decided to go to bartending school. So we, I bought the glasses and she bought the liquor and we would practice at home. <laughs> and we just had a good time practicing how to be bartenders. So uh, we both worked in that industry. I was a teacher, but then on the weekends I would work as a bartender and she would as well. So that's how I kind of saw that, that problem. And it was still a problem, but You know, we, I always try to figure out how to have fun in managing my, my negative situations. So I, um, I did bartending. I was a server. I was a pet sitter. I did things that I enjoyed, but it brought additional income.
1: Welcome to Real Stories, Journeys of Financial Wellness. I'm your host, Crystal Lugazima. Today, we sit down with Kimberly. Her story is one of resilience. Despite having a mortgage payment that doubled, and tens of thousands of dollars of credit card debt, she found a way to persevere. For her, the side hustle was front and center. And as she eventually paid off her credit card debt, she reached a point where she was able to create more balance in her life. Let's meet Kimberly. Kimberly. Kim, welcome to Green Voices. So glad you could join us here today. And I'll start with a question that I always like to start with all our guests. uh, And that is, what did you learn about money growing up?
0: Hmm. (laughs) I learned it was better to save uh, and to spend frugally. That's what I learned. But um, my dad was frugal and my mom wasn't. So... There was um, a situation there where I learned about that through example, but it's something that you have to practice. So, you know, I didn't really ask for a whole lot growing up. I wasn't, I didn't consider myself a big spender growing up, but, um, you know, there was a time when my mom would buy five dresses for Easter when I was a kid. (laughs) Or she bought a piano. Uh, I'm a music teacher now, but she bought a piano. And uh, dad said, you know, you can't buy that piano, but mom bought it anyway. Or um, she would, she bought a uh, washing machine and didn't tell them, you know, things like that. (laughs) It's interesting uh, how they work together on finance. So, you know, that's how it was for me growing up, you know?
1: Um, and and so it, it sounds like you kind of learned a couple of different models of how to approach things and sounds like some, some conflict potentially that yeah. entered into that <laughs> landscape. Um, so as we fast forward slightly, uh, what were your early experiences with debt like? Just imagine like when you were in your 20s, let's say.
0: My debt situation uh, was about 2K when I graduated uh, with credit cards, and I figured that that was kind of high, you know, at the time, you know, because I didn't have a job or anything like that. But, um, but when I finished college, I got my BMU. I had no debt,
1: and so, so, so it sounds like at first there was. Uh, relative to your own situation with your income situation at the time that it it was a little bit steep. Um, and I, I know actually in, in what you shared with me earlier that as you work with Greenpath, it was actually the second time that you were facing a debt issue. I was wondering if we could mm-hmm. go back, what was the first time that you were tackling a debt issue?
0: I got into some debt after college And it was around um, when I was thinking about doing music and acting and I was working as a temp. And so I was working as a temp and I was living at home still, uh, hadn't moved out and I acquired credit cards, but I was using them, you know, just spending money frivolously, but not like I wasn't a person who would buy a lot of clothing. Like I didn't spend my money on clothes, shoes, and things like that. Uh, That wasn't my thing. Um, But I was spending money and dad uh, said that he would help me get out of that debt. He was very good. Um, Later on, he had some issues with some of his finances, um, but he was very good uh, with funds, and he had zero interest on his credit card, and so he allowed me to put my debt on his credit card, and it was about it was, <laughs> it was pretty high. I, I if if I remember correctly, it was like twenty five k or something like that. But that was like the first ten years of teaching um, after college, and and. Um, Transitioning as a an, as a temp worker, auditioning as an actor, uh, deciding to teach music in the public school system, and then just uh, having a certain amount of debt. My first ten years of teaching. So he said that he would help me out, and it was about twenty five k, and I paid that off completely, and that was that.
1: So, and just for clarification, so you through his credit card, were able to pay off that initial $25,000. Was that a, a gift or was that a loan at the time? Or
0: Well, it was his credit card and he had zero interest on it. So I just moved my debt over to that. And then I would pay him, you know, um, per month until that was paid off. But was I was living at there at my parents' house and I stayed for a long time. Um, I didn't move out until, um, I got a second degree after my second degree, that's when I moved out. So yeah, I was a late bloomer.
1: <laughs> well, and, and it, you speak to the sacrifices, which is a theme that we'll pick up a little bit later as we progress in your, in your story. And that sounds like that was one of them, uh, that helped mm-hmm. you to pay down that debt. Um, and I understand there was also uh, another source of financial stress that you faced uh, when you took out an interest only mortgage. I was wondering if you could share about that.
0: Yeah, um, 2004, I decided to find a home, and I didn't really talk to my parents about it. I just went ahead and said i'm I'm gonna look for a house, and I've been teaching already ten years. Uh, So I went to uh, New York University on a graduate summer program. So I worked um, during the school year and went to NYU during the summers. So when I finished that program, I decided to buy a house. And that was a real hot market um, in 2004 through 2008. And later on, there was a housing market meltdown after that. And so that that period was the interest only loan, uh, program that people were really pushing at that time. And people were saying, this is the time to buy a house. And now's the time. Um, so I, I fed into that, which, you know, when I think about it, you know, I was more than capable, um, of, um, looking for a house, but, um, Under these kind of pretenses, this was not the right way to buy. Interest only loan now was considered very risky uh, because it brought the housing market uh, into disarray. I bought the house with the interest only loan um, and it was 0% down. You did not have to pay any money down, Um, but uh, if people had done their proper research, they would have found out that it amortized after 10 years and you're owning two mortgages that are interest only paying very little on the principal. And then, uh, you have a balloon payment as well. So, you know, that was, it was difficult, but initially it was the interest only loan program. I got into it in 2005. It amortized after 10 years. Um, and then Uh, the mortgages doubled. And then that's when I really had to buckle down and figure out how to pay double mortgage on a home that was my, uh, you know, my primary home. So it was very difficult.
1: Did you end up staying in that home and or mortgage? Or how did you uh, address things when it uh, reached that, that higher payment?
0: The way I did it, I am still in my home and I'm very thankful for that. Um, I really had to buckle down and figure out what or how I was going to pay the double mortgage. I did several things. What I did first was I figured I'd get a roommate. It's a three bedroom, two and a half bath house upstairs and downstairs. And I got a roommate, but the roommate situation didn't work out very well. Um, you know, we weren't compatible roommates at all. And so, uh, but what we did uh, figure out was we were going to, my roommate and I at the time decided to go to bartending school. So we, I bought the glasses and she bought the liquor and we would practice at home. (laughs) And we just had a good time practicing how to be bartenders. So uh, we both worked in that industry. I was a teacher but then on the weekends i would work as a bartender and she would as well so that's how i kind of saw that that problem and it was still a problem but you know we i always try to figure out how to have fun in managing my my negative situations so i um i did bartending i was a server i was a pet sitter i did things that i enjoyed but it brought additional income. And then I was also working as an acting teacher at a professional theater in the Atlanta area. And so I was still teaching music, but this is the time also when, because the housing market was crashing, crashing property values were also lowering. And then the schools didn't have the money from the property values coming into the schools so the teachers were furloughed and so that that was a struggle that was a struggle um just trying to uh you know do all the things be a good teacher uh try to do these odd jobs have a roommate um as a single female you know it was pretty difficult
1: sounds like it and it also i'm hearing just how important it was to kind of have that growth mindset where let's you, you described how the roommate situation wasn't ideal in terms of compatibility, uh, in the living arrangement. And yet you two still figured out a way to, to try other things, uh, that eventually led to, I'm sure a fun experience, but also a money-making opportunity, which is,
0: which Mm -hmm. is really cool. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, I understand you also uh, had started your own business at, at some point with credit cards. And I'm sure there were some lessons learned based on uh, your, your message about that. So I was wondering if you could share.
0: Yeah, um, I went to Los Angeles because I was... I was like, I'm going to pursue this (laughs) and see what comes out of it. You know, go to Los Angeles. That's where people would say you need to go to Los Angeles and things like that. So um, I decided to continue working as a teacher and, you know, I'm a music teacher and I love teaching music, but I decided to pursue acting in Los Angeles for a summer. Like you can't really do that in a summer anyway, but I went ahead and went and I had a, um, a voice acting agent. She was actually a film agent and she did voice acting uh, auditions. And I told this agent I was going to go to Los Angeles and I went there and I auditioned mostly in voiceovers. And so I did one film audition. I kind of figured out that maybe voiceovers was what I needed to be doing. Uh, because I got a lot of auditions with that. So I came back to Atlanta and I was there for about a month, Um, but I did run out of money in Los Angeles. I came back and decided, well, I'm going to go ahead and try to do voiceovers. And while I was in Los Angeles, I went to this big VO convention, which so happened to coincide with my, with my trip over there. So I went to this big VO convention and I was overwhelmed with all of this information about classes and tech equipment and marketing and all these other things, and it just overwhelmed me to the point where I was—I um, started to cry a little bit because I had so much <laughs> overload in uh, in my brain. Um, just because it was expensive, you know, this was an expensive thing that I wanted to do. But I still wanted to try. So I came back and it was expensive and I used credit cards to fund it. You know, I, I was never taught business in school. Now I wish that all um, teachers and talent would take business courses. If you can run a classroom, you can run a business. So, I mean, that's what initially what I was Thinking, if I could run a classroom, I can run a business. So, because you have to do all the things—you teach the kids, you—you um, you have to uh, do fundraising. Uh, you're purchasing with the fundraising funds uh, any uniforms for the students to wear. Um, you're organizing. Um, it's just a lot, and so I, I said I could do a business, and I had an entrepreneurial mindset. I mean, I, I feel like that's uh, my spirit animal, entrepreneurism. So um, I went ahead and funded with credit cards, and that was the wrong thing to do. And that really brought up my debt to um, really high levels. So that was the wrong thing to do. And um, and then I it ballooned up to probably 30k after that. Um, with all of that, the training, learning how to edit, um, actually doing the voiceovers that, that was just a lot website, all of that, that that's a lot of money. And you have to really figure out, uh, how do you do that? Do you want to do it big, go big or go home? Or do you just feel like you need to kind of do it small? And I wish I had done it small, you know, just start in your closet and just, um, but a lot of clothes around you to help with acoustics and then just start off with something small and, and just do that. But no, I went big. So, <laughs> so what, what you're happened.
1: describing is like being able to, as you said, start small and then kind of reinvest into the business as it takes off, as you learn kind of yeah, the, the nuances. That's,
0: that's any, anybody, it, it doesn't apply to just, um, voiceovers. This is something that should apply to any business that you start. You start off small and you don't allow the expenses to get ahead of you. You start off small and whatever you earn, you put back into the business and don't even give yourself a salary. That's what you do. And you keep whatever day job you have until you figure out that you can, you're can. you making more money with the side hustle gigs that you're doing compared to your day job.
1: And then eventually the side hustle the idea is could become the main source of income, but not yeah, until it's it, ready.
0: Exactly right.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I know you had also shared that a couple of your creditors ended up uh, taking you to court. And so I was just wondering, you know, how that came about and just what was your what was your mindset? What was your reaction as that was happening?
0: Well, um, I had two credit card companies that sued me. And I never went to court. What they did was one went through a lawyer and actually two of them, they went through the lawyers. And so I received my paperwork and I was like, well, you know, I definitely don't want to run away from my issues. I always want to uh, pay my debt and debtors. I felt like that's what I always wanted to do uh, and not run away from that. So um, with One of the law companies, I went ahead and set up a payment program with that. And then with the other one, I um, actually with both of them, it was actually both of them. But with one of the credit cards, uh, they went ahead and worked with Green Path. But the other credit card company wanted to work separately with um, a law firm. So I was paying money into Green Path when that was set up. And then I was also at the same time paying the law firm. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and that actually brings us to how you you came to, to work with Green Path. And so um, we'll, we'll get into the specifics of your debt management program in a second, but uh, what caused you to reach out to Green Path? Like how did you find out about Green Path? And then what was the tipping point to cause you to reach out?
0: You know, you know to be real honest, I don't remember how we met. <laughs> it was a blur. Uh, it was 2018. I was getting calls from uh, different companies saying that I owed money. It was, uh, a, you know, a just a just a, a sludge of different companies calling your house all the time saying that you owe this, you owe that um you know collection agencies calling you and all of this other other stuff so i actually don't remember it was a blur teaching the roommate working the side hustle gigs and getting these collection agency calls i think i saw it and applied mm-hmm. but cuz i was going to different companies uh trying to figure out what to do um but green path uh was the company that i decided to work with
1: what caused you to seek outside help which eventually turned out to be green path mm-hmm. but you know what might have caused you to to say all right i'm going to i'm going to look for support that exists
0: well um at this time you know my parents weren't going to be able to help me here um when you you know you get into financial issues a second time and it's just it was too much uh, getting all of these calls uh, from collection agencies. And I actually took a course at my church. Uh, They uh, were based on the Dave Ramsey method. You know, you're just in such deep debt. It's pretty difficult, you know, as far as how how is this gonna help me? What's kind of interesting too, is that everybody wants to know, well, why did you get into this debt? And you have to tell your story a million times over, over and over again. And that's tiring. You know, why am I, why did you get into this debt? And part, uh, partly too, uh, that my father was having issues and he actually requested money from me uh, right at the tipping point. So, you know, I had this, tax refund of 3K and he was having financial issues and I didn't know it. So he asked to borrow the money. And unfortunately, I just gave it to him thinking that he would be able to pay me back and he couldn't. So partly I was helping my family as well with their financial situation, my elderly parents, but they were going through something that I had no idea what was going on. So now. I am suffering and they are suffering. And we are both trying to figure out what to do. And, you know, you learn to put your own mask on yourself before you try to help somebody else. Even if it's your own family, you have to take care of you first. And I learned that the hard way. And that was through some therapy um, and trying to figure out how to get out of the situation I was in. So it was very difficult.
1: So during this this difficult period, um you eventually found your way to green path. Do you recall anything about that experience talking to the financial counselor and ultimately deciding to go on a payment plan?
0: I remember the payment pa- plan being kind of hard at first. Like I didn't want to actually start it. It was like, okay, I have to give like $600 a month and then with the Attorney, I was giving them $250 a month. And so I was like, oh, I don't know if I can actually cough up that $300 every two weeks. You know, it's like a moment of, oh, you know, just friction here because you're having issues with your own finances. But once that got started, it's a practice that you learn to just do it every two weeks and you don't really worry about it the calls stop coming in and you're doing much better mentally because of that so it's it's very helpful just to get started put one foot in front of the other and there was a few times where I had to say look I mean I'm gonna need that money I would like to skip a payment and they would allow you to do that so if you have to you know, you have money or something you have to do with your funds and you can't give that $300 at that particular time, they will allow you to skip that payment and then you continue the next two weeks. But you have to give them time, like at least five days um, before that payment is due, maybe six days. So you have to plan that out. But I would use that occasionally because I was just under such financial distress till, you know, I just would have to use that gift. And then I would go back and pay what I needed to pay. So it took me about 45 months to pay off um with Greenpath. It was like 22,500. So 22,500. And then with the attorney, it was like 8,500. So, you know, I would use that gift sometimes to skip a payment if I needed to, but it was over like 30 K that I had to pay back. So it was workable. They will work with you.
1: Yeah. So you're speaking to the flexibility and part of that is just the way that it's structured. So you you mentioned that you made payments every two weeks. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of like when one gets a paycheck every two weeks and if you budget monthly, you'll notice eventually there's an extra paycheck that's there. It's the same kind of idea where technically every year you need a certain amount of payments, but with the biweekly, there's extra money that in essence accumulates. And so that could kind of give that flexibility. Um, and, and it also sounds like you were alluding to the fact that it, it felt very tight to your budget going in, but as you just kind of dove into that, it it caused you to maybe make some shifts in, in how you approach the rest of your budget, your spending plan. I was wondering if you could speak to that a little bit more.
0: Uh, Eventually what happened was uh, I was able to get um, cost of living increases. So cost of living increased um, as I was working as a teacher and then I would get the extra money with gigs Uh, just doing gig work. Um, And I didn't really perform as a musician, I could have, but the way I did it was, I worked um, as a music teacher, I would do these extra gigs. And I eventually taught from home online teaching ESL online. And that's what I preferred. And I would sing in uh, choirs. That's what I particularly liked. So singing in choirs, things like that and um, few uh, voiceover gigs I would get and then some acting gigs uh, occasionally I would get. So that's how I continued my performing outside of teaching. And I work at a performing arts school and so that was very busy. But um, I was doing a lot of work that way and eventually my salary rose with teaching And these extra gigs helped pay my debt.
1: Yeah. It it reminds me of what you shared when you spoke of how you adjusted to the higher mortgage payments that you encountered, Mm -hmm. where sometimes there's only far so far you can go on the expense side of things. So while your salary wasn't really enough to, to capture everything you, as you said um, just your side hustles brought you there and eventually the salary kind of caught up Mm -hmm. uh, and it kind of balanced out, but it's just a nice reminder that uh, the expense side of the budget is, is only half the story. And sometimes there can be more flexibility on the income side when you're able to do so, particularly if you're, you're willing to and have skills and in, in various things as, as you do in that case. Um, I was wondering, as you were paying down the debt, what support did you receive? And I'm not talking about financial support, more like emotional support when it came to friends or family or other loved ones.
0: Because I um, am a believer in um, Christ and I uh, go to my church, I have a very good Bible study group and there was um, support in the financial university course that they offered at my church. And I was able to share a lot of information with my Bible study group. And they probably know me better than any other group. Uh, And there was an issue there with some friendships, because some of the friends that I was associated with, uh, unfortunately, I think there was a stigma of my personal challenges with some of my friends at the time, and we parted ways. I think sometimes people don't understand your uh, issues fully and or they're trying to understand and maybe they don't have the complete understanding of what you're going through maybe some people think that oh there's something wrong why were you sued twice why are you going through all of these challenges it seems like one issue after the other and maybe some friends or family may not understand your situation and. It may be your season of (laughs) tribulation, just maybe your season, you know, um, based on some of your actions that you've done. And you're going to have to pay for those actions, but that's your season of tribulation. You're going to go through that and you're going to come out if you keep going. But I think uh, sometimes maybe people, it's too hard for people to understand. And I did lose a lot of friendships. Uh, during this time. I think, um, for instance, uh, I went to a graduation uh, for a friend in New York, and I had no money, and I stayed at a hostel, and I was okay staying at hostels, and so I went to the hostel in Brooklyn. I was a little nervous about it, but I stayed there, and uh, things between uh, this particular friend and I changed, and so uh, we didn't have the same communication as we used to, but I had come all the way with no money and I wasn't quite understanding uh, my friend. And later on, we uh, parted ways. But sometimes, you know, you're going in, you know, she was going through something as well, not just me. She was going through things. But because I wanted to support my friend, but I had no money, I mean, I, you know, you can think of it foolishly, but I'm thinking I'm being a friend and I'm going to go out there and support my friend. And, you know, I had very little money. And then, you know, I had uh, one thing about the YMCA in Brooklyn, they had a breakfast coupon where you can get free breakfast. And I would eat that, but I had no money for the rest of the day. She didn't know that. But, you know, I'm supporting my friend and, she didn't realize how bad the situation was apparently. So when I came back to Atlanta, I saved enough money to get myself back to the airport in LaGuardia and I got back home and uh, we parted ways after that. But, you know, some people are not going to understand your journey. You are going through something that people are not going to understand, especially if they've never had this financial issue before. And, uh, I could share a lot of things with my Bible study group, but I didn't share um, everything. And and eventually uh, a lady at my church became a patron and she said that she would pay for counseling. And she said she had counseling. It was helpful to her and she would pay for my counseling. And I thought patrons didn't exist anymore. I thought that was something 19th century (laughs) that composers got, you know, classical musicians got patrons, not in in this day and age, but she paid for 3k of my therapy. And then I told uh, my patron that I would go ahead and Take care of the rest and I would continue, but I would pay on my own because I don't believe in um, being uh, a freeloader. So I said, you know, I will let you pay this amount, but I'll go ahead and continue the therapy and I will continue this journey on my own with my therapist. So I do have a therapist and my therapist and I are actually working on getting back, uh, trying to learn how to build friendships at 51, you know being 51, you're thinking, I have all the friends I need. <laughs> Why do I need to find more friends or try to build more relationships? But I think building relationships is the way of life and people should build relationships. And And I'm working on that. But um, I cut off a lot of people on this journey. It was a tough journey.
1: Yeah. The Last thing you just said, uh couldn't agree with you more, right? That uh, it's this perception that people have like, oh, you only make friends in your 20s. But
0: yeah,
1: <laughs> uh, people change. We change. Our friends change. Um, so what I'm hearing from this is your 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 journey out of debt really gave opportunities for a lot of support. Some of it unexpected, yeah. and then other areas where you might have expected support wasn't necessarily there. So it was sort of like a an eye opening experience for for everyone involved. But ultimately, yeah. I know recently. You did uh, complete your debt management program with GreenPath. In fact, that's how uh, I I met you. There was a closed Facebook group, speaking of support, that GreenPath offers for anyone that talks to us. And you had shared that you recently had completed your program. So I'm wondering, how did that feel when you did complete your program?
0: You're stunned. <laughs> You're like, this journey took at least 20 years. I mean, <laughs> you know, because you always have a certain amount of debt because uh, you're used to debt, you know, in your life. And then you pay all of your credit card debt off. And it's amazing. Like I did this um, with some support um, and it's amazing. It is pretty cool. And it's something that, you have to kind of understand about money and in part of my journey was not just getting out of debt, but having a money mindset. And I do have a passive income mindset, learning how money works and how to use money and credit cards to your advantage. And that's something that I'm still working on. Uh, There is debt that is considered helpful debt, Real estate is considered helpful debt, and credit cards are not. But there's a way to use credit cards to benefit you, and I'm learning about that at this time. Um, I watched a lot of YouTube, got some books that I'm listening on uh, through audiobook audible.com, and I'm really learning about um, how to use. Uh, money to your advantage, how to have a money and financial mindset. And that's real important because this will reoccur if you don't change how you view money and how you think about money and how money and interest is used and how to build on assets and wealth instead of uh, always trying to put everything on a card and and live that way that's not the way to live i have one card it's 1k only and i just prefer to keep my personal credit card to 1k max and that's it i don't really want to manage anything else beyond that point with me you know i'm thankful i have some privileges that was helpful to me Even though I'm a minority female, I don't have children, and I was able to focus on paying my debt without a family that I had to support. Now I didn't have a husband to support me, so I'm a person of color, uh, no children, single. And this journey was hard, but I didn't have a family to support. And I think that was beneficial in my journey. So if you have a family to support, you know, the journey will be um, slower because you have to take care of your family. The pandemic and what we've been through as a nation and and some of the kids, uh, the the kids who are people of color talk about the struggle of finance and no one taught me about finance and things like that. And It's tough. I want to help my students, and we have uh, people who come into the schools and they talk about finance, um, which I'm really grateful for. And I try to talk to my students about finance a little bit, but I have a curriculum to teach. But I try to share a little bit about thinking as a business. And my students know I own a business, they know that. And having assets which are helpful to you um, for tax purposes and things like that. And um, using and combining your talent with a business type of company, if you can combine both together, that is, you know, the optimal thing to do to support yourself as a talent, because all talents should think of themselves as a business. But I don't think people were saying that when I was in college, or started teaching in 1995, I started teaching in 1995. This is years later, I hear this term thinking of yourself, thinking of yourself as a business. um, If you are a talent, and Uh, Having a vision board. I didn't have vision boards in 1995, but you know, now I utilize some of the things that people talk about. Have a vision board, and I did use a vision board, and I had you know pay off all my debts by March 2022, which is what happened. So I'm very thankful Uh, for that.
1: Look at that. Um, And as you were speaking of, you're right. Like in in my experience, uh, it is relative. A relative rarity, um, for, uh, artists and, and other talent to, to have that intersection of the, the entrepreneurial mindset that you speak of the the financial mindset. Um, a couple of people we've come across. So one was our January, um, podcast episode, which features Amanda Clayman. She's a financial therapist and okay. she spent a good part of her career, um, as a, a person that founded a financial program, um, utilizing sort of like a social work background, a, a psychotherapy background, uh, for an organization called the Actors Fund, and so she's okay. working with people in the entertainment industry. So, as you transition uh, to being in a place where you're, uh, you've completed your debt management plan, what are some of your financial goals in the coming months and year?
0: You know, I think the stress level was. Too high, and I think that I just needed to kind of just chill out. And I don't have to work my gigs anymore. I don't do those gigs right now. I'm not even teaching online, uh, teaching ESL online. I put that on hold and just kind of getting some more rest.
1: So it sounds like as that ties into your financial goals, that it's kind of recognizing that you could kind of take your foot off the gas a little bit when it comes to the income in service of your your health goals.
0: Yeah, you're going to sacrifice your health, probably more likely, when you're trying to reach a financial goal, you can let that off, kind of like protect and think about protecting yourself more. Uh, Maybe you need to spend a little bit more funds on uh, organic foods, uh, or whatever you need to do, maybe go to the nutritionist or whatever you need to do, but you need to protect your health. If you lose your health, you're not going to be able to work anyway. There is a balance in life that you have to have. And um, I uh, was able to find my boyfriend during this pandemic and have a a relationship and work on my personal relationships as well. Um, It was difficult just being single in my house with a cat for two years, you know, not being able to hug my parents or anything like that. That was difficult. So I had to have um some type of balance in my relationships, personal relationships, my health, and uh put work where it needs to be place. It doesn't need to be put on a pedestal. You know, you need to kind of like have a balance of where, you know, of work and, and where that is in your life overall. Um eventually I will. Uh, retire in 2025 so I will retire from teaching I'll have 30 years of uh, teaching in music education so I'll um, be able to get 60% of my salary I do have a pension Um, that is a blessing compared to what um, what people don't have a lot of uh, I don't hear about pensions anymore um unless you are in education or uh, you're part of a union that has um, the availability to have a pension. And I do want to continue to probably start another e-commerce business uh, that has passive income. I'm considering what those options are and just kind of work on my skills already in in performance because I will go back to that. Um, I quit during the pandemic and I think that was a good move because I needed more rest and then I needed to focus on my students. My students was, you know, they have been through so much and educators have been through a lot um, with this and families and you just need to take uh, a break and just kind of understand that you just can't move so fast anymore. The world stopped and it was time for us to stop. So, you know, I will continue when I retire with other things that I want to do.
1: Yeah. So it sounds like both in the short term and long term, you're really looking at uh, creating balance um, for the yeah. for the different goals the things that are important to you. Yeah. Um, I was wondering if you might share about your family situation today with regards to your, your parents, your siblings, and how this may affect your finances. I know you mentioned your, your father's, as he's gotten older. He had some financial difficulties. Um, you mentioned that you have uh, two brothers that are disabled. How, yeah. how is that fitting into your, your financial picture, if at all?
0: Well, uh, my uh, goal is to start an e-commerce business that will support myself, and help my family, I will continue to help my family if I'm able. And I know that my parents are going through some tough times right now. And I don't want to put their business out there, but they are going through some financial difficulties. And so um, it's interesting that you have to kind of as a child, an adult child, you have to support your family, you don't have to, but i want to you know they're they are uh my um air that i breathe so i would rather support them than not support them but how can i manage to support them when i have to support myself first so you know it's a balancing act and so i will uh make some decisions some financial decisions which i am thinking about now um, since I wasn't able to refinance my interest only loan at the time, I still have it. And I still pay two mortgages. I wasn't able to refinance uh, any bank that I went to declined to take that mortgage. Um, and I did try to do the hope program, but I was declined. <laughs> so I did try to seek help um, government help. But uh, now that uh the housing market is volatile in a different way. Seems like uh, there's more equity in homes. The interest as well is increasing compared to two years ago. I think it was like two point whatever, 2.6, 2.8. Now today, I think it's 4.5 at least or 4.8. I'm interested in refinancing my home and I'm in the process of doing that now. And so uh, I'm interested in doing a cash out, but not that much money. I'm thinking about doing that uh, to help uh, clear my student debt. Um, I have 20K of student debt left, which is not bad. And then um, try to give a try to give a gift to my parents. But the thing is, is that I have to take care of me first.
1: What inspired you to share your story with others?
0: it's been a my in my heart for a while. I felt like I didn't know the right place, how to share it. Do I put it on my business page? I don't think that's going to work. Do I share it on Facebook? I don't think, I mean, I shared it on green path on the friends green path, uh, financial wellness page, but you know, how to tell your story. I could put it on my, on my blog, you know, but I think this is a good way to get it out to the masses if they're in the same similar path that I'm going through. And if they are in the arts, I think um, if you are in the arts or if you have family that are in the arts and um, you're trying to figure out how to make a living as a talent or an artist. uh, But you don't come from a, a wealthy family, you know. Uh, These are things not to do. (laughs) Don't do these things. So uh, think about um, the goal that I wanted to share was think of yourself as a business. If you are a talent or an artist, think of yourself as a business and work accordingly in that mindset and learn more about, and this is for everyone in the community, learn more about financial wellness, and think about how money works. And, you know, you would think I would know I'm an adult. But unfortunately, as as an educator, we don't get this kind of thing in the school system. Maybe they're doing it now. But I was not, um, I was not exposed to financial wellness in school and my family didn't teach it. So now this is something that I'm learning for myself, but you want to start off young. You want to start off in your twenties, learning about um, assets and passive income and uh, how interest works and how you can use interest to your benefit. And when you're buying houses and cars, just because or you know if you're going into bitcoin can you please do your research <laughs> all these new things that are out now you know
1: what advice would you have for your younger self
0: well i think i made some good choices and i made some negative choices leave the credit cards alone <laughs> um i'm thankful that i I would say good job, good job, Kim, on some of your educational choices. And, uh, you know, don't turn down education or being a teacher. I know um, in my case, it worked out pretty well. And I'm very thankful now that I can look back over the years and say, you know, the way I approached education and the way I approached acquiring education Even though uh, I was debt-free in my bachelor's, but I acquired loans, and it was all through loans in my master's, I was able to think, okay, you're going to need to pay off that debt. And so you know, I continually worked on paying that off to the point where it didn't balloon and get out of control. So there's a lot of people that are struggling with their college loans. So there were some good things I did, and I'm very thankful. You know, 20K is manageable if I decided not to use a refinance or if I decided, you know, for some reason it didn't work out, um, that it was forgiven. I could pay that off. That's like a car payment now. But there were some good things that I did. I'm very thankful for that. And then the negative things is stay away from those credit cards and think about putting money aside.
1: And and it definitely sounds like those things that may on the surface be viewed as negative sound like a lot of learning opportunities that you've now taken into the years that followed.
0: Yeah. You know, learning about yourself through the years, you know, is pretty cool. The older you get, your priorities start to change a little bit, and what you want starts to change. And learning who you are as a person and Uh, deciding what gigs you're going after to pay off debt. What's your side hustles and learning about, oh, I kind of like this side hustle. I can do this, you know, and and still work as an educator. I can do this. You know, that's pretty cool. Learning, you know, different skills. It was fun to a certain point. It it was fun. But uh, the goal is to not to have all these side hustles, (laughs) if you can help it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's still possible to enjoy the journey and recognize that the next stage of your journey, you may wish to look different, perhaps.
0: Yeah, (laughs) not so raggedy. (laughs) Yeah, I I remember. Worked all the time.
1: It's funny, as I sit here now, sitting at my desk, talking to people for the podcast and creating digital learning experiences, how in the years previously as a financial educator in and around the New York City area. I would just log so many miles literally with a laptop and all these handouts on my back. And it was fulfilling, fun work. And it was also literally backbreaking. Like (laughs) I had way more back issues in my thirties than I do in my forties, which is uh, an interesting thing. Um, So I know money is often a taboo subject in our culture. What are your thoughts on this?
0: Well, I'm honest. I mean, I, uh, in my life, uh, I just, am honest. People ask me a question and I just tell them straight up, you know, um, even uh, when I was uh, going to um, a church, I don't no longer attend this particular church, but the pastor talked to me. I was saying to him, you know, I want to get married, you know, but I have, you know, all this debt. And he was like, get rid of that debt, girl, (laughs) you know you know, and eventually I'm still not married, but he was absolutely right. Get get rid of that debt, you know? And, and I, I think honesty is just be honest because, you know, what comes out of it is you may get certain gifts your way, you know, oh, I know a green path that may be able to help you with your debt. You know, maybe you want to talk to them or maybe somebody will become your patron and say, I can do this. If you need this help, would you be willing to try uh, therapy or something like that? These kind of things will come your way if you're honest. And if you're, you know, saying I'm not going to share my personal struggles And, you know, I am embarrassed by them. I just, at a certain point, I just said, you know, I'm just going to be honest, straight up, truthful, because that's my truth. I am going through this and I'm not going to shy away from my struggles. And, you know, I could probably help somebody else, which is why I'm here today.
1: You shared with me that, and I'll, I'll paraphrase this, that your story is really about fulfilling your dreams while learning how to make and complete financial sacrifices in pursuit of your gifts. I wonder if you might elaborate on that.
0: Yeah, I know that was kind (laughs) of, that was a big sentence there. But I think if people want to dream big, and I work at a performing arts school and we talk about uh, reaching your dreams, dream big. There is a sacrifice that comes with that. That you're going to have to realize your uh, time, rehearsal time, uh, financial sacrifice, your family sacrifice, your relationship sacrifices uh, that go into that. So you want to dream big, but you're going to have to put in the work. So there is a lot of work behind these big dreams. Um, People don't become uh, these big dreams or have it manifested without putting in that work. And there were a lot of people that helped along the way. And, uh, you know, um, I can talk about sports figures, uh, uh, the Williams sisters, you know, in tennis, you know, their family put in so much sacrifice to get those girls to become big tennis stars When I was growing up, you know, I don't remember YouTube, you know, I don't remember these things that occurred when I became a teacher and people are making money and now kids want to be YouTubers, you know, you still have to put in that work to create those videos and learn video editing and audio editing and learning all these different skill sets that come with that and sponsorships and things like that. There is work involved and you may have to do that all yourself until you can hire someone to do that for you. That is work. You know, people need to understand that. So if you have these dreams, have a goal, uh, create a vision board, understand that there's a lot of work involved. And if you don't reach those goals, you may find something compatible that, that you'll love that will make you fulfilled in in something that maybe is equal to or of the same value to a certain extent if you don't reach that ultimate goal struggle is not cool struggling is not the way to go putting things on credit cards is not the way to do it neither even though that's how i did it <laughs> but i had to pay i had to i had to pay up <laughs>
1: yeah yeah well put yeah. um Before we we wrap up, do you have any final parting thoughts? I I know you had uh, had some notes uh, you'd mentioned earlier. Did you share everything that you wish to share?
0: Hmm. I'm thankful that this was done, even though I have gone through this twice. The goal is not to repeat it a third time. And learning from my mistakes was very helpful. It's more personable to me because I didn't have a relative that got me out of debt. This time I did it on my own with um, some community support, Green Path and some support as well. uh, And uh, through my church or through patrons. And um, those were gifts and I'm glad for my gifts and it will not be forgotten. And I think going forward, I can definitely share that my journey is so unique and different. It will touch somebody if uh, they want uh, some of the things, some of the same things that I wanted in life. I think it will support young people as well as anyone from any age. I think sharing your experiences is very helpful. So that's what I want to share, share my experiences and uh, Green Path was very helpful in this journey. So I'm very thankful for the company.
1: Thank you for your wisdom, Kim. Thank you for your vulnerability in, in sharing your story. And I, I know your message will be so powerful for people that often walk through life thinking that they're alone and in, in facing any financial or other struggles that they are. And I think your openness will really show them that there's other people that have walked similar paths and that there is support out there. So thank you so much for joining us today.
0: Okay, thank you for your time.
1: As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Omari and Shamika, and I wanted to start with you, Omari. I know there was a particular quote that Kim had shared that that really resonated with you. I wonder if you could expand on that.
2: Yes, definitely. There was a moment um, towards the middle or middle end of her story where she mentioned that you would think I would know because I'm an adult. And... That is something that struck me almost like a lightning bolt, because not only did I have a similar moment of realization um, as a financial um, wellness expert, I had many conversations with many young adults where that same moment of, I guess, lack of clarity happened, where there was this expectation that at a certain point, once you turn a certain age, you would automatically ascertain this knowledge and wouldn't you know it? That never happened. And so here we are, as full-grown adults, uh, where there was not any sort of institutionalized learning process around financial management at any part of our schooling processes, and we are struggling to kind of figure out how to manage our money. The good news is that's where Green Path
1: comes in. But I can, I definitely resonated with that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think we've all, in some form or fashion, had that uh, lightbulb moment. Um, and as Kim was relaying her story. She also talked about the role that privilege had in her life. And Shamika, I understand you wanted to speak to that a little bit.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, She mentioned that she had the privilege of being a single person when it came to her finances, meaning that she doesn't have any children and she's currently um, not married. So there is not the additional financial responsibility that may come with having a family. Um, And I also am in a similar situation where I also was struggling with student debt, but I definitely can recognize the privileges of being able to tackle my debt while not having to support a family, which can definitely uh, make handling your debt a bit more difficult. So definitely acknowledging and recognizing the privilege that comes with that.
1: Absolutely, because obviously, as those of you listening to this, you might have privilege in different areas, um, but just kind of thinking of things in that prism can can really be helpful to give yourself some grace if maybe you have less flexibility or maybe it's taking longer um, to reach your financial goals. A theme throughout the story was uh, all the creative ways that Kim was able to bring in additional money through side hustling and eventually uh, starting a small business. And I just want to speak to the side hustling piece a little bit. Um, She mentioned just the value in doing things you love and when you side hustle doing things you love, it doesn't feel like work so much. So uh, if you don't know my story, I've been at green path. I was my first job out of college. I've been here over 20 years. The entire time I've been at green path. I've had a second job. Uh, I'm a tutor and it is. I live in New York. It is really expensive to live in New York. I've needed my tutoring income to, to be able to get by and do the things I want to do. And also, I love doing it. And there's no way I would have lasted that long if it wasn't something that wasn't a passion of mine at the same time. Um, as we get into her, her small business uh, acumen, I know that was something that uh, really uh, resonated with you, Amari. if you could speak to that. Yes, um,
2: certainly something that resonates with me. Alongside uh, my career here at Greenpath, um, music is something that is a big part of my life, Um, a side hustle, so to speak, or a small business uh, where, um, especially when it comes to like an audio visual hobby or side business, they can be very expensive. Um, And you, you mentioned the side hustle being something that you love, it doesn't always feel like work. That's absolutely true. The problem is that it still costs a lot, especially if you're doing something like music. Um, so her ability to start small, um, and grow her, her music equipment and her, her personal studio, uh, piece by piece is something that I feel very connected to. Um, as, like I said, that music hobby is very expensive. And as you get more and more, uh, advanced or more further along in your journey, you're able to kind of increase your gear and maybe you have, uh, you built up some savings to pay for, um. Uh, more pristine or more expensive equipment. Um, And so that's something that's definitely a struggle for many artists and just folks that are starting small businesses, being able to manage that, recognizing the toll that that takes on your finances while also living a life and managing your non-side hustle
1: related finances. And I know um, as she eventually um, really formally started to start a small business that there was a specific focus on the idea of being an independent artist and what that means for starting a small business, and that's also something you've had experience with. Certainly, Um, and again, uh,
2: not not specifically music, but just in the arts in general, doing it on an independent level, essentially what that means is that there is no large fiduciary, whether it be a record company or some other type of sponsor that is uh, financing your musical Ventures. this is something that you're having to finance on your own. So essentially it becomes uh, financially the same thing as running a small business where you have to before you can get up and running and before this business uh, kind of eclipses the overhead, you have to put up a lot of that money on your own. And again, if you're in a spot where you're still struggling to to make ends meet just with your personal finance, that can be a really, really challenging process to also juggle the independent artist business because it is a business uh,
1: alongside. Absolutely. And as as Kim uh, eventually uh, uh, in great excitement has, has paid down her, her debt, um, she talked about the importance of kind of creating balance in her life and the importance of rest and kind of you know, easing up a little bit as far as that's concerned. But Shamika, I understand you wanted to to bring up a point that might be relevant to many of our listeners.
3: Yes, so that while rest is definitely something that is important, um, it's not always practical when you don't necessarily have the time to and are working multiple side hustles in order to get yourself out of debt. Um, So definitely Encouraging people to find that balance between rest as well as handling your debt, but also understanding that once your debt has been paid and you're in a better spot financially, that you will have more time to dedicate towards rest and bettering your mental health.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And and that is something that as we see the arc of Kim's story, that um, She did have to sacrifice rest, you know, while she was getting out of debt. And so like all that amount of time, effort, energy that she put in for a number of years gave her that possibility of uh, creating some some more space in her life. It's one of those things that if you create something that is extremely time consuming and energy consuming for a finite period of time, like Kim did, it, it can definitely be workable. Um, when it's over the long haul, when it's like, hey, I got to work a, an insane amount of hours and there's no end in sight, obviously that could have some financial benefits, but it could be to the detriment of your health, both physically and mentally as well. So I think Kim is a great example of how kind of short term bursts with an eventual goal in mind and and kind of easing up on things a little bit uh, can can be a great thing. But we really do want to bring up the nuance of. Now that she's at a different stage in her life financially, why that's possible. So I thank you both, as always, for all the wonderful insights uh, and joining us here today. Thanks so much, Chris. Thank you, Chris. As we wrap up today's episode, I have one quick favor to ask. Would you be willing to respond to a quick survey about this podcast? Simply go to www.greenpath.com slash real stories and click on the take the survey link at the bottom of the page. Learning more about our listeners helps us better meet your needs. Special thanks to Hero for our theme music, which will play us out. Here's hoping each of you enjoy your journey of financial wellness as much as your destination. Welcome back,
0: Hero.